my other hot take is that I'm a big Let It Be fan. Really? Yeah, I think it's better than Abbey Road. Wow. That is a hot take. <laughs> yeah. I had this whole argument on a podcast with Rob Sheffield. Junctures from Liverpool, England. The significance is that the Beatles have held this title for eight years. My model of business is the Beatles. You know, they were four very talented guys. Hello, I'm Jack, and you're listening to the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast, an interview show about the Beatles' influence in the past, present, and future across the universe and across generations. Thank you all for the overwhelming support that this show has seen since its launch in January. Your support means a lot, and it's the reason this episode and even more upcoming episodes are possible. If this is your first time hearing this, you are about to experience the best Beatles podcast on the internet. If you're returning from last week, welcome back. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Today it's my pleasure to introduce Rolling Stone writer and associate editor Angie Martoscio. Angie has been working at Rolling Stone since 2014, and she's interviewed everyone from Noel Gallagher of Oasis to Julian and Sean Lennon to Maggie Rogers and Phoebe Bridgers, and she's a huge Beatles fan, so I'm happy to have her on the show. Angie, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm excited to be here. Angie, can you walk us through how you grew up and how you uh, ultimately became involved with music and writing and editing? Yeah, so I am from Miami, Florida, uh, very far down south, so not like the beach area. And I am one of five kids, meaning I have older siblings. Obviously, that would be exposing me to music, including my mom also. And yeah, I feel like I was always reading as a kid at a very young age, and I was awful at math in every way. I'm still just completely like if you give me a few numbers I'll just I don't even try I'm like I just don't know (laughs) um so naturally I always fell on that side and that did lead to writing and I only ever wanted to work at Rolling Stone and be a music journalist I was never interested in like writing fiction or anything like that um so I had a, a pretty set path early on um yeah oh cool and what age did you make that decision that you wanted to uh go for Rolling Stone I must have been 14, maybe. I mean, I've obviously read it a lot and, you know, I watched Almost Famous and had all those moments like that that everyone does. Um, But to me, it was just instead of being a musician, you know, I had I had sung in elementary school in a choir where I was exposed to a lot of Beatles songs, but I'll get to that later. Um, But yeah, I, I just really... I was always interested in how a musician lives and how they make what I loved so much and what was behind that process. And the idea of getting to talk to them, obviously, is a whole other level of like amazement. So, Can you paint a picture of what your life was like when you first heard the music of the Beatles? You know, as preparing for this episode, I tried really hard to think of like a single snapshot or a moment in time you know when I'm doing interviews I always want like a good anecdote to use from someone Mm -hmm. and I feel like there isn't one I mean I they'd always been around as a baby um you know I I really I see Bob Dylan on your wall and that's also I grew up listening to like Desire and albums like that and in that group obviously musicians was the Beatles and um 
yeah, and that choir, I remember hearing like Mother Nature's Son, we had to sing that. I have that kind of memory. Um, and I remember a lot, most of my Beatles memories are driving around in the car with my mom and her harmonizing to them and teaching me how to do that. <laughs> now, did you always like the Beatles or was there a point in your life where you were kind of uh, resistant to their music as a kid? No, I loved them. I don't know who would ever not like them. In fact, growing up, I guess now, especially in 2022, there's been a lot of those uh, crazy like hot takes about the Beatles that we can yeah. get into later. And even yeah. at my age now, I'm, I just don't understand it. <laughs> it's like not liking <laughs> chocolate or something. Just contrarians. Yeah, they just yeah, want to totally. cause trouble. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever taken a deep dive into the Beatles catalog? And if you have, what were your thoughts when you first started to dive deeper? I think it's in like a twofold kind of answer to give you where especially being young, you know, how old are you if I can ask? I'm 25. Right, so I'm 30 and even hearing about what the 60s and like what they were as a kid was so mind-blowing to me. It was a different time, the way everyone looked and to me what opened that door into that era that was the Beatles. Um, I knew it was when they got incredibly famous. Um, I had seen all the screaming audiences and I wanted like the Samsonite suitcases that all the girls had. And I, it was really my, my window into like a, a different era and understanding as a kid, like what eras are. It was all through the Beatles. And then the second part of that is obviously I grew up collecting records as a kid and the Beatles was always my first thing, my very first band. I needed to have every first pressing. I needed to have all the US first pressings versus the UK. And I got really, really, really nerdy into that. Um, and that was really where I had this completest attitude. And um, I got really heavily into their catalog. Yeah, I'm like that too. You know, it's so cool. How in record stores, they always have a complete section for the Beatles and solo mm -hmm. Beatles. It's right. so they have A, C, and D, and then there's Beatles, and then there's B. Now, are you into their solo work as well, or are you just into them as a group? Oh, I'm heavy into, I'm, I'm a John person. I should just go out and say it so you know already. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's my Beatle, and I feel like I was in elementary school when I was singing along to, like, Cold Turkey, not even knowing what Cold Turkey was. I thought it was physically, like, you know, cured meat or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's how far back that goes for me, and uh, I was very obsessed with him for a long time <laughs> have the beatles influenced your life in any way aside from just loving their music and wanting to collect their records yeah i think it's easy to make the kind of connection from the beatles to rolling stone considering the first magazine to really you know take them seriously and and pop culture in general was rolling stone back then you had yeah. a lot of teen magazines the same as the monkeys you know like poppy tiger and all of that um, but Rolling Stone was the first kind of magazine to sit down with John Lennon and sit down in a movie theater with him while he watched Get Back and all of those kinds of things. Um, and I naturally, that's a, honestly, it's a really big reason why I wanted to work at Rolling Stone. It was wow. a, a, yeah, it was a Bible. I could see, I mean, Jan, as you can probably imagine, was very invested in the Beatles lives. So, um, our archives is heavily detailed with all of their um, every single thing they did was pretty much documented. Um, and that's kind of what made me want to work there, you know? Yeah. Now, how did you start working at Rolling Stone? How did you um, land your job? 
Uh, I feel like it's through, to boil it down, to make it easy, networking on Twitter when I was like 19. Um, because I, I remember when Twitter was really starting, it was around 2009 that I got it. And, you know, I, it was crazy to me that writers at Rolling Stone and editors had Twitter accounts and I could communicate with them. And it was right. very wild to me. Um, and I think I just tweeted one day about wanting an internship. And oh, cool. one of the editors, yes, uh, Simon Bozik Levinson, he's a, a big Beatles geek also. And he is still my editor and mentor to this day. But he got me an internship and I kind of just never left. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did leave for a bit doing other jobs. Um, after the internship, which was in 2014, I left for a while. I finished school. Um, and then mm. to get my foot in the door as an assistant took a lot. I think I interviewed like three different times. Really? And yeah. And then I finally got um, a job in 2018 as Jan Wenner's assistant. Oh, wow. So it's, it's almost been a decade yeah. since you got that first internship. Yeah, it's weird. My That's whole, awful. yeah, my whole life is there. It's where I met my fiance. It's where most of my friends work. It's, it's kind of nuts. Now, do you have a certain sphere of music that you particularly like to cover there? Or do you uh, pretty much cover all genres of music? So everyone likes to joke that I'm the ages of either 22 or 75. <laughs> because I, I truly do spend my days like interviewing like Joan Baez and then writing wow. about like Phoebe Bridgers. Um, it's right. very young and old and there's like not a whole lot in between. <laughs> Have you ever had the chance to interview Paul McCartney or Ringo Starr while you're working there? God, I wish. I have met Ringo. I was backstage with him at a concert 2017, I want to say. Wow. And I, I did the whole piece fine you know, selfie. We did that. Um, oh, cool. And I was so, I remember being so nervous because even when you meet celebrities and get used to it, because they're really just people probably yeah. even lamer than you and I are that we don't even know about. <laughs> but my, I remember my wrists were actually shaking when I shook his hand. I was like oh freaking God. out. Um, yeah, that was really special. Was he a nice guy? Super nice. Of course. He's just like, he, just like he seems to be. You know, and Paul, I feel like I, I keep missing. It's always about the scheduling and the albums and stuff. Um, and as you can imagine, there's a ton of other people on staff who interview him too. Um, yeah, but I would love to talk to him. So Angie, while we're talking about media and music journalism, do you think that the media's coverage of the Beatles during the 60s and Beatlemania um, has influenced the way music journalism is done today. Yeah, I think kind of what we were saying earlier, just the idea of following up with a band after they've broken up. You know, you have to remember that Jan did that interview with Paul and he was not too happy with John. Mm. And it was the kind of, I think not even like the drama of it, but like let's catch up with musicians after they've been together their solo work. Let's let's trace their careers through decades. Let's follow them for all of this time. And I don't think people are doing that prior to other bands. You know, like right. the Monkees, I keep mentioning because they were in that same time period for a second. Um, yeah. And the Beatles just kept lasting for years. Right. 
I mean, and, uh, in the consciousness, not, of course, not they weren't a band very long, but, you know. <laughs> you know, you just mentioned that you missed Paul McCartney on a number of occasions because of conflicting schedules. I was wondering, what do you think of Paul's recent work and his recent albums? Um, I want to say I like Fell You and songs like that. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's fun. I... I think more than anything, he could just make really shitty records and we'd all go see him because he's his live presence is on par with like only Springsteen, I would say, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's truly I tell anyone who can like go see him. It's so worth it. And honestly, like I was very excited um, over the pandemic when he made McCartney three. I don't think it was bad. I enjoyed listening to it. I mean, is it like Ram for me? No. But but right. I do um, I do respect his current catalog. Have you heard the album with other people singing his songs, McCartney Three Imagined? Yeah, I was really excited about that, just to hear the interpretations of that. And you know, as I said before, I'm like a major Phoebe Bridgers fan, so I never thought that they would <laughs> collaborate yeah. in any way. Um, and it was just great. It it shows that people are still artists, and his contemporaries are still willing to go out there and bat for him and record his music because it's still so profound Mm -hmm. yeah i I love that album i i loved it when paul released it and i was you know in my head i was thinking oh wow he he could still do this all by himself and then when i heard the three imagined it just kind of put it on a, a, a different dimension for me and i was like oh wow these songs are good and contemporary too you know yeah it shows that he's still a great songwriter that can span all the genres What's your favorite Beatles album? Uh, let me see. I thought about this ahead of our interview. And when people ask me this, I try to divide it by, uh, I have three and I divide it by the time, you know? So early Beatles, I love A Hard Day's Night. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in the middle, in, the, in between years, uh, Rubber Soul. Mm-hmm but it has to be the North American release because I'm sorry, I don't want that album to start with drive my car. It's awful. Really? Oh, oh, oh no, that's a hot. I, I, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so used to hearing, I've just seen a face and I think I was like a teenager and I heard the UK version. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, and it's, it's a great song. Obviously it's just, I was so used to that track list and I've yeah. discussed this with a lot of fans. They feel the same way that it's, it's a much better track list. Um, and then for later, my other hot take is that I'm a big Let It Be fan. Really? Yeah, I think it's better than Abbey Road. <laughs> wow. That is a hot take. That's cool. Tell yeah. me more about that. I had this whole argument on a podcast with Rob Sheffield, um, just because we were <laughs> sparring back and forth about it. This is before um, anything about before Get Back or any of that stuff. Um, I really... I think it was just being little and before you know any of the facts, before you know about the breakup, the tension, um, the fact that they like made it and then like held off for a bit. But before knowing any of those things, those songs and those melodies really magnetized me as a child. You know, mm-hmm. two of us, like I can't think of a song on Abbey Road that matches like what I feel when I hear that song. And Across the Universe is probably my top three favorite songs of all time. Um, and then when I was when I was a little older, I, I started talking to other fans and I realized the contentiousness about that album and how people hate it. And I honestly thought they were kidding because I didn't know any of that. To me, just 
being a child, I was like, oh, these are the songs I love the most. And it has the red apple, you know, and there's the pictures of them. <laughs> That's right. all I knew. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still very, uh, obviously, this past year, it's been great to have that kind of renaissance with it, or even 21, rather, um, with the movie. But I was very, uh, you know, pro, like, I've always been this fan, and everyone came to me because I was ahead of it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think you might be onto something there because Let It Be definitely has a more intimate feel to it, um, maybe because of the way they recorded it, but it's got, mm-hmm. you know, two of us. Um, and I think the only love song on Abbey Road is is Something by George. Is is that the only love song on Abbey Road? Am I right about that? Yeah, I wouldn't call because. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> because is great, but that's not a love song. Right. <laughs> I, I think you might be right. And even like, I think the the biggest mistake that they made out of everything was not putting um, "Don't Let Me Down" on "Let It Be." It's yeah. like a, it's a crime. <laughs> it would have. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been much more respected uh, had it been on there originally, because it's such a great song. And to put that over like. I'm not going to hate on I, me, mine or anything like that, but come on. It's it's so right. weird that they left that off. Yeah, it, it was a short album, too. They totally could have fit it on there, I think. Yeah, they could um, have. What was the other single that they came out with around that time? Uh, was it Don't, Don't Let Me Down? Was that a double A side or was that? Yeah, and I don't I still don't know why it was left off. I've been trying to investigate this, like why they would even want to do that. Yeah, um, but, you know. Have you ever seen John Mayer and Keith Urban cover that song? It's I think it's unbelievable. Yeah. That's... I have this yeah, I don't I don't really hate on John Mayer covers. He's pretty good at doing them. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that cover blows me away every time I see it. Um but I you know, when when I'm watching that cover of John Mayer and Keith Urban, I kinda wish they do like a ten minute instrumental and I kinda wish the Beatles did something a little bit more like that where they would just kind of, you know, go off into a 10-minute solo or something, because I think they definitely could have. Yeah, it was a pretty clean cut, and what I would have killed to just see, like, John getting into that gritty solo a little bit more and leaning into that would have been really cool. Hmm. So, interesting. Your favorite album is Let It Be. All right, okay. I'm not even trying to be contrarian. I really do like it a lot. (laughs) So what do you think about Beatles for Sale? I love Beatles for Sale. Same. Um, it's, I will say I got to that one a little bit later in life. I must've been like in my teens already. And I, you know, when you're young, I would say being a child, it's so cool to hear like Sergeant Pepper and Abbey Road. And you're kind of like the coolest thing about the Beatles, at least to me when I was that age was like the psychedelia mm-hmm. and revolver and stuff like that. And I kind of thought their very early songs and covers were just not what I wanted to hear. I wasn't interested in that. But when I first heard like Mr. Moonlight, I was, <laughs> it's such a great song. Yeah. That whole record to me, um, it's its a really special record and I play it all the time. When I revisit the Beatles catalog at all, I always start with Beatles for Sale. Oh, really? Yeah, it's its such a good place to start. Uh, one of my favorite songs is on there. It's um, I'll Follow the Sun. That song is, yeah. is unbelievable. It's unlike anything else they've done, I think. I'll Follow the Sun is, is just gorgeous. It's really hard to like hear that and not feel so emotional. It's kind of, it's a lot. <laughs> You're right. It really is. It really is. Yeah. 
you know that's another thing i don't understand i don't understand why people hate on beatles for sale because if you look at the songs the original songs on that album they are so much better lyrically and and sonically than in my opinion what they have done in the previous records like uh, you know it's it's unbelievable no, you're right. And it's hard to say how much I love Hard Day's Night because I, I love it so much. I just really don't care for the title track, which is... Really? No, I mean, it's... No, no, it's it's great. I just, if I had to choose, the the reason why I love that, that album so much is because of the, the gorgeous, you know, the amazing ballads on there. Mm-hmm. If I Fell is just so amazing. And I was actually listening to that yesterday, preparing for this, just remembering how much I loved it as a kid. Yeah. If I felt almost like a tango vibe. Yeah. And I love her is on there. Mm-hmm. These songs are so great. It's like hard to talk about them and it's hard to describe them because yeah. like I just said, like I said, if I fell, wow. You yeah. Know? Like that's, that's the best I could come up with. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to write about music. It's hard to talk about music and I find it, to be the hardest and most challenging when I talk about the Beatles because it's there's so much that you want to say at once and you have to unravel it all and unpack your feelings, you know? Yeah. So how do you, can you walk me through your writing process? How do you, let's say you have to write about the Beatles. How long does that take you to formulate your thoughts and uh, think about what you want to say? The Beatles in particular is hard because so much has been written about the Beatles. And you really don't want to just kind of regurgitate stuff and also have a voice and have your opinions without it being like almost too annoying. Like, this is how I feel. And I love the Beatles in case, you you know, you have to kind of there's a lot of things I'm trying to maintain at the same time and to smooth over. I think I was last doing um, the Let It Be reissue, like the deluxe. Um, and I wrote about that and that was really fun, but I also had to separate the fan versus like what was really going on and the sessions that we could finally hear and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if I'm totally being honest, any kind of older act, there's always going to be a bunch of old dudes on Facebook, like yelling at me and tweeting to me that I've screwed something up. So it's, I've learned to be okay with it. Yeah, you know, I feel like there's always going to be people like that. You know, yeah. like the other day, I just posted a picture of Paul McCartney. And, you know, this person got angry because the picture had so many likes. And they were they were like, oh, is it just because he's good looking? Where are the pictures of John and George and Ringo? Why why are you only posting Paul? And I was like, ah, I just yeah. posted one picture of Paul. You know, it's like, I think they're always just going to be angry about the small things or something. Yeah. One of my first uh, posts online at Rolling Stone was like a a short like uh, Ringo video that we did that we shot ourselves. And it's like uh, when you're a news writer there, it's an entry level job. You're just writing a few graphs on what it's about. And I remember I think I had a typo. I honestly can't remember what it was. I just remember getting a message from a man that said, you're a meaningless twat who should resign. And wow. it was so funny that I kept saying it all the time. It's become like my favorite compliment ever. Because um, it's just so like, who talks? I was like an old English man. You know, I have to be like, I imagine an old guy with like a pipe out of his mouth or something. It was just so bizarre. And I actually laughed and I was like, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. That kind of reminds yeah. me of, uh, that reminds me of what Paul 
McCartney wrote to Phil Spector after Phil Spector put the strings on Let It Be. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Have you seen that letter? What is he? There's an amazing quote that he says, but I can't recall, right? I think, I think he says, um, lower the volume of the, the violins and the harp. And he lists it like one, two, three, and four, his, his request. And then number four was don't ever do it again. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I don't, I, I realize that now, of course, it would have been a far greater record without that. But, you know, I, I do love like the long and winding road. I'm not going to lie. I think it's like really uh, excessive production, but I, I think it's interesting. So let's talk about uh, Get Back and the re-release of, of, of Let It Be. What are your thoughts about the whole uh, combination release? I loved it and I it was really surreal. I'm still kind of trying to like process what, because the fact that it just happened on Thanksgiving and we all watched it and <laughs> it's just like, it's really weird to think about just the idea that footage that I had been waiting to see and many fans have been waiting to see for so many years just sitting in a vault you know it's incredible mm-hmm. I mean if you even think about it like the first movie isn't really accessible to watch like even if you really wanted to go see it it's not you can't just like google on youtube or something like how to watch it um, right so yeah. a lot of people had never seen this before ever um and yeah like to just I've, I've heard some feedback that it could be a little boring at times for people who are like casual fans because mm-hmm. they really are just literally hanging out. Um, yeah. And I found that to be like totally addicting. And I, I told, I told a friend that I wanted like an entire other documentary on the um, listening device being put in like the, the flat, the flower pot, right. When they're, yes. when they, yeah, yeah. I want like a whole movie on that. and like how that I even know, happened. Right? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to um, there's so many layers that for years to come we'll keep stripping back and talking about. But um, I think to sum up, I just I was really in awe, and I still am trying to process it. <laughs> yeah, and and what do you think about the re-release of Let It Be? Did you enjoy the remixes of the songs? I did. I mean, I as I've told you, I you don't it doesn't take a lot to please me with that um, with Let It Be, um, <laughs> but I did. It was. I think fans were kind of thrown off with how much was being released. You know, it was first obviously the film and then it was the hours of the footage and then the book and then the vinyl and the CD. It was like a lot of different things going on. I think I even received at the office, like all of that. And I was even confused. It was kind of overwhelming, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was a great let it be a sense. And I, I was really uh, impressed with the deluxe package. Why do you think let it be naked wasn't, remixed and put on there i don't know and that's a great question i've been thinking about let it be naked and how to me it it feels like it was the other day but it was so long ago that that came out and i i just kind of feel like paul was done with it he had already tried and he just kept moving on and i do wonder why it wasn't at least included or acknowledged it was a little weird to me they kind of pretended it never happened (laughs) but yeah um (laughs) but i i did i have a memory of um when my sister bought that CD, she was in college and I stepped on it by accident oh, in, no. in our car and it cracked in half. And that's like my real memory of let it be kid <laughs> was that I broke it. <laughs> um, but, but I loved it. I mean, it was, it's gorgeous and sparse. I, I think it should have always been pared down. Um, and they fully realized like that whole vision that Paul originally had, you know, just last year. 
So do you prefer the naked version to the one that was actually released? No, I love the one that was actually released. Really? Cool. I, I love the songs as I originally heard them. You know, the, that's what I remember. That's We all want to feel like we do whenever we hear the Beatles. We want to go back to that first time we heard it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's how I feel. Like, I'm always interested in hearing other versions and, like, studio stuff and uh, live things even. But when it comes down to it, I always want to hear. I'm a studio version kind of person. I want to hear the first thing I ever heard. Yeah. I, I'm the exact same way. I, but I, I feel like it would be cool if we got more Beatles live stuff here and there. Um, if they, you know, if they had the I just wish the quality. Yeah, it would really have to be a lot. You know, even like just a few years after they broke up, musicians started to really seriously think about how they recorded their shows. And I just wish they had done mm -hmm. that for even a few of them. I know. <laughs> they, they have the uh, Hollywood Bowl album, which came out mm -hmm. with the eight days a week documentary which i think is pretty good they did a they did an all right job with cleaning that one up i loved that i had a great time i think i i spent like a, a weekday i was off from like school or something and i went to the theater alone just to watch it it was so awesome oh eight days a week yeah yeah that was a great which one. also feels like forever ago and it wasn't i think with i think with get back we've all just like everything else that came before it is just like ancient history <laughs> it's like crazy yeah one thing I've learned from from that movie is that uh, Whoopi Goldberg was at the Shea Stadium concert. So insane. Yeah. I, yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> Are you like a Star Trek fan at all? You know, I've never seen Star Trek, actually. I'm a big Star right. Wars guy, though. Yeah, it's either one or the other. I, I'm not like a Trekkie or anything like that. But uh, Whoopi Goldberg's role on The Next Generation is to be this person that doesn't like age. And I feel like oh, that's wow. even her, like at Shea Stadium, like she's always just in things. It's like she never goes yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally see that too. Yeah. <laughs> if the Beatles were, if the Beatles came out today, do you think that they would have the same kind of impact that they had back in the 60s? I don't think they would have had like the earth shattering impact on fans because we had, we had already done that with other bands and other boy bands specifically. Um, interesting um, without the, the hype I mean but I think mm -hmm. their songs are timeless and they would have had the same effect on songwriters and I think it would have had the same appreciation if that makes sense I'm not sure like people would be screaming in the streets do you think they would have TikTok accounts or Twitter or any kind of social media and just be posting by themselves every day if they were a current band yeah like young, you mean? I'm sorry, I'm trying to get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, like like the same age if 1964 equaled, okay. let's say, like tw right now. Uh, I think they'd probably have to because they've been told by their label or like even if, if Brian was around too, he'd be like, we have yeah. to get on this TikTok thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know that they would have been into it. You know, like even what's fascinating to me about musicians from that era is that they were always trying to hark back to you know, Chuck Berry and their youth of hearing rock for the first time. So I'm not sure mm -hmm. they would have cared about TikTok. Who knows? Right. Yeah. I remember on January 1st of this year, Paul McCartney posted like a five minute long Instagram story of just him using these weird face filters. And uh, it was just him having some fun. I thought that was pretty funny, but. Uh... Yeah. I love his stuff on there. It's like Elton John too. They're both like really like, what is the internet? Like it's really yeah. cute. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Angie, what are you up to now and what kind of projects have you been involved in recently? Uh, I'm trying to think of what I can and cannot say. I have a big feature coming out in the next coming weeks about a woman named Nicolette Larson, who is, I often kind of cover female musicians from a long time ago who've kind of been just completely like undiscovered and underappreciated. Mm-hmm. So I did one on Judy Sill, which is a songwriter from the 70s. I love Judy year. Sill. Yeah. So I did Crayon this whole- Angels is great. Yeah. So people, it's weird. Like to find things on the internet is really hard. And I had to contact her, her niece who runs her estate and I got really involved and it was like a huge passion project. And now I'm kind of doing that with Nicolette Larson, who, if you know, Neil Young at all, she covered lot of love and she's on comes a time. Um, then she also had a very short career and is totally forgotten now. So I'm doing a whole wow. thing on that. Yeah. And then I have a couple of cover stories I'm working on on younger people. So awesome. Is Phoebe Bridgers included in that? No. Uh, no. Phoebe takes a while to do albums. I feel like her next one won't be for quite a while. Yeah. You know, I do. I love Phoebe Bridgers' music. I, I really love it. I would really love to hear her do a cover of a Beatles song. I'm not sure which song I would like to hear her cover, but I would love to yeah. hear it. Yeah. I mean, she. She's a big John fan, which she wouldn't really, you know, she likes to make fun of boomers and Eric Clapton and stuff like that. But if you talk to her, she's a really big John person. Oh, cool. Yeah. And where do you see the Beatles music and influence in the next uh, 50 to 100 years from now? I think it's going to continue as it always has. And I think the fact that they have children and families that will carry on their legacy is going to continue that. You know, I, mm. I did a whole interview with Sean Lennon last two years ago. It was in the pandemic. So I lost sense of time, oh, wow. <laughs> but we, we discussed that at length about how it's now almost his job to carry that torch and to make sure that the music stays current and alive and that it's not forgotten. That's like a big, he's very um, serious about that. And what's his plan to do that? What, what's his approach? Uh, I think he's been quietly uh, running John's estate. And mm. I know he has the last say for, at least for Lennon stuff, on mm. releases and box sets and stuff like that. Um, and then if you've noticed, I don't know if you've seen like John Lennon's Instagram in the last year, it's been like very different than it's been before of like yeah. merch. And it's, you can tell they're they're trying really hard to make him still a legacy act. And he's still, you know, I don't think they have to try that hard, but you can yeah. see where they're going to have to go in the next like 50 years. It's going to have to be like um, re-releases and merch and stuff like that. Are you looking forward to any re-release in particular? I It's hard to know where they're going to go from here. Like Let It Be was always what I wanted. You know, it's... Yeah. So you got your, almost, your album... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like when, when Dylan did uh, more blood, more tracks, I was just waiting for that. Oh, that's and awesome. yeah. yeah. And then after that, the other bootleg series, I was like, this is, this is good. I mean, I'm into this, but <laughs> it's not the same feeling that I had. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. You know, I would really just love to hear a uh, remix of Beatles for sale and like the Beatles for sale sessions. 
I am a huge, I will say this is, again, I'm not trying to be contrarian, but I love Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Like a lot. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I would love, um, they already re-released, I think, the movie on Blu-ray, maybe like almost 10 years ago. Um, but I would love a re-release of that music. I think it's incredible and it's it's heavily underrated because of Sgt. Pepper. I completely agree. Magical Mystery Tour is probably in my top three Beatles albums. It changes really? all the time, but it always stays. Oh, yeah, totally. Do you get flack I mean, for that ever? I do. Yeah. People, yeah, some too. people are like, you know, that's not even an album. It's some people yeah. are like, you know, that's an EP. But I'm like, no, it's definitely an album. Um, you know, it, it was written during a really hard time for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just lost Brian and it's kind of the same setup for Let It Be. They were going through a tough time and finding themselves. But I think the music they made for that, I mean, if you look at Blue Jay Way alone, that song is, is cool on the hill, else. Blue Jay Way, flying, you know, flying, flying is, yes. oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I think, think there's like a 16 minute version of that song somewhere. That's the kind of stuff I can work to. I, I like working to like instrumentals and that to me is so fun, you know, um, yeah. but I would, I would love a re-release of that to answer your question. Well, Angie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm looking forward to hearing this. Thank you all for listening to the Here, There, and Everywhere podcast. Thank you, Angie, for coming on the show. That was one of my favorite episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe. Come back next week. Leave a review. Tell us who we should interview. Check out our website, BeatlesEarth.com. And follow us on Twitter at Beatles Earth. Thank you. See you next week.